Now, not everyone is as bold as we may think. Sometimes we think people are bold and they're not. Heard about this guy, they, they were having a party on a cruise ship. And they were having a party, and they were, the guest of honor was this older gentleman, and he was sitting in a chair, and then they were honoring him, and he just looked grumpy. He didn't look happy at all. In fact, he looked just flat-out miserable, and everybody's partying, dancing on the cruise ship, everything, but he's sitting over there kind of by himself. The reason they were having this party is earlier in the day, apparently a young lady had fallen overboard, and this older gentleman had jumped over to save her. And as a result of doing that, he'd been able to call out. And the ship heard it, stopped, turned back, and saved her. And he stayed there in the water with her until the ship got back and picked him up. And so they were basically celebrating his bravery. But he really seemed uncomfortable with them paying any attention to him at all. Finally, I mean, he just really had a sour look on his face. So to the cheers, they, you know, clap, you know, stand up and and say a word, speak to us, and just at least give us a short speech. So he got up and he said, uh, cleared his throat, and he said, I've just got one question. Who pushed me? (laughs) And not everybody's as bold as you think they are. Uh, You might be surprised. The people that you might think are bold are not quite as bold as you think they are. Uh, More, uh, this is more kind of a, a... uh, a lesson. It's it's not just a lesson on let's say clear communication. We we do a lot of teaching like that. I mean, we try to do that in the church. But uh, this is really about overcoming negative feelings about sharing the gospel. I want to talk to you a little. Be real honest about that. Uh, this is about overcoming any fear and anxiety you might have about sharing Christ or His gospel or, or teaching anything that you find in the New Testament. Obviously, this is about being courageous. And speaking up for the truth. Um, it's, it's not really about beating somebody into submission as much as it is about speaking up for basic biblical truth when anybody would, would challenge it. So it's about facing down those devils that would seek to silence you. And believe, me, believe me, there are plenty of devils that would like nothing more than all Christians to just get real quiet. And never speak up again and never say a word for the Lord again. And if he could get us to do that, then he will be very successful. Uh, God's evangelistic call, whether you really have accepted it or not, is for us all. Uh, even for those of us who may see themselves as timid or shy or anything like that. So let's not confuse what we would call the gifted, uh, the gifted evangelizer, the gifted speaker, whatever, with the refusal to be bold. It's uh, the duty of every single one of us to be bold for the Lord and to speak a word for Him. And God doesn't just empower the extraordinary people. He gives extraordinary boldness to the regular people for the cause of Christ. And so, uh, but the problem is, uh, there have been a lot of studies on this, and that is that, um, in fact, a whole book written by Hugh Hewitt, called the embarrassed believer, suggests that most are slightly embarrassed believers afraid to bring a guest even to church. A little bit nervous about it. Uh, They don't want to talk about their faith or their church in front of people. This seems to be a trend now. They don't have Bibles on the corner of their desks anymore where they might, somebody might see that when they have a break, they would dare read it. Um, they never engage others 
in spiritual conversations, a little less biblical conversations. Just don't bring up those sort of things. That's kind of the world we've kind of moved into. And so I want to challenge that thinking a little bit, if you can give me just a minute. Um, I believe that the world is hungry for a bold witness that's on fire. Amen. I believe people love it when they see it. And they go to it, not away from it. Proverbs 28, 1, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I think you need to be bold. You need to, whatever the scriptures say, speak it. Speak it. Uh, Romans 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation. Speak it. Let it be known. Disciples must try to save the lost, to comfort those that are suffering, to help cure the ills around us, to try to clothe the naked, to bring some sort of joy to those despairing of life. And we should do all those kinds of things without apology. Be bold about it. If people don't like it, that's their problem. Good works are, are great, but our bold witness must be accompanied with good works. Otherwise, it's going to fall on deaf ears. We, we must be bold, though, because if we're not bold, no one will notice. They won't, if they don't notice, they won't listen. If they don't listen, they won't believe. And no matter what good works we produce, they're going to fall on deaf ears. So we can do a lot of good things. So, you know, we talk about at the new facility uh, doing a lot more good things. That's great. We need to never, though, drop the message in the process of doing good things. Because, you know, what's the point if you don't do the most important thing for other people, which is make sure they know about Jesus, right? So boldness is not really... Uh, it, it really, it's not a threat that we face. You, you may think, well, people are too bold. Well, that's not been my experience. I think the threat is we're too timid. I think we're afraid to speak. I mean, I, I find people that, that won't talk about Jesus at all in any circumstance. Uh, I, I'm not talking about using the gospel as a hammer to hit people over about moral issues. If they're not a member of the church until they become a Christian, whatever they do morally, really none of my business, to be honest with you. Um, my job and your job is to impart to them the gospel of Christ so that they will see the need. They, they already know they're struggling with morality. You, I mean, a person that's sick knows they're sick, right? Uh, they don't need somebody to actually tell them. They actually know it. They know something's wrong. They may not know what it is that's wrong, but they know something's wrong. Second uh, Timothy 1 verse 7, the New International Version puts it this way, and I like the way it puts it. It says, for the spirit... Uh, God gave us, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So if you're timid about sharing, the Holy Spirit didn't do that. It wasn't the scriptures that did it. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that did that. That's you. Just take it on his shoulder. It's me. I, I'm the timid one. I need to get past that, right? Hebrews 10 and verse 39. I love the Phillips translation. I don't know if, uh, if y'all ever read the Phillips translation. It's from a few years ago when I was young. But anyway, uh, surely we are not going to be men who cower back and are lost, but men who maintain their faith. 
We don't need to turn into a bunch of cowards. Amen? So if the world gets anti-Christian, don't be cowardly about it. Step right up and take your dose of whatever criticism or persecution that's offered to you. That's just who we should be. What if our boldness, somebody says, runs off people? Because I've been accused of that many times. You're too bold, you run people off. I've had that said to me so many times. It's not even funny. My answer is it cannot happen. See, for if they left us, they were never one of us. 1 John 2 and verse 19. They went out from us because they were not one of us. If they had been one of us, they'd no doubt remained with us. But they went out that it might be manifested they were not one of us. Now, Martin Luther, at the Diet of Worms, and that's not eating worms. It was at the place called Worms. Or that's not how they pronounce it. But, but it, a diet is a, a, a group meeting discussing this. Actually, they got together really just to punish Martin Luther. And that statement you've heard, he's famously said, here I stand, I can do no other. There's no indication that he actually said that. But there are recordings of what he actually did say, not tape recordings. But (laughs) it was written down. One of the things he said is, unless I am convinced by scripture, he was told to recant his 95 thesis, as you know, that he nailed to the uh, door there. And he says, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils. And then he gives a reason for they have contradicted each other. So that's not of God necessarily. So you can't prove anything with a uh, quote from a pope or a council. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. Amen. Now, he was facing down at that point several things and it continued for quite a while. They threatened him with excommunication. They threatened him with exile and they threatened him with execution. And actually, none of those things actually stopped him. Uh, a war broke out between him and uh, the Catholic Church. But still, uh, he was never executed and he continued on. Now, there, I want us to look, though, what, what would be something that we should imagine would produce a greater boldness in us? So if we're going to try to be bolder than we have been, and, uh, and you may think you're plenty bold, I would recommend that we all could raise our game a little bit. Maybe just a little bit, you know, 5%, 1%, something. If we, if we were looking for ways to raise our game face, if you will, and to be a little more bold with speaking a word for the Lord, what kind of qualities would we be looking at? So that's the lesson tonight. I want to look at seven of those pretty quickly here. Uh, number one, and this is all from the text that was read so well a while ago. Uh, the boldness of seeking Jesus, Acts 4 and verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, so it didn't come because they were so well trained uh, from some human institution, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Just seeking Jesus and being with Jesus, which by the way, that's where you are right now, but you can seek him a little more every day and that will make you a little more bold. So spend time in prayer in the scriptures. Uh, second thing is, and we'll just go straight there because we're moving through these quickly. I know y'all want to stay here until eight o'clock, but that's not my plan tonight. 
So another one is uh, serving others. In this text, they clearly had served someone. Now they had the gift of healing and we don't really retain that gift. Although obviously we can pray for people. But we can serve people who are in need, who are medically in need for that matter. It says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what should we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. Now, we're not going to be able to attain to all that they attain to right there. We can pray for people, but more than that, we can actually just serve people who are in need or who have ailments for that matter. And I, I believe that does that. If, you, if you're a person who not only has faith, but you are a person who has faith that's willing to carry a bedpan, I believe it'll make you bolder. If you cannot tend to someone who's sick and dying, I'm not sure you're as bold as you think you are. Until you can clean up when they've been sick on the floor. Until you can use toilet paper to help somebody out. You haven't learned boldness yet. There's a different level of boldness. It's coming though if, you, if you're willing. There's an opportunity. You don't want it. But it'll change you. Number three. The boldness of speaking truth. Something about just saying what is true. Verse 17 says, So that it spread no further, let us severely threaten them, they say. And then verse 18, And and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. What What a commandment. Imagine if the government said, You're not to ever preach about Jesus again. I got no question. I'm going to disobey that law. Period. Go on record right now. I will not obey that law. Period. Uh, Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. I love that statement. Then verse 20. For we, this is the real important part, and this is boldness here. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What else are you going to do? I I cannot turn my back on what I have seen in the scriptures. Amen? Amen. I just cannot. I mean, I may want to from time to time. I may want to hide under the pew. But the truth is, if it says it, it says it. Amen? Amen. And so I cannot. So it's just speaking the truth. And, And by the way, that does not have to be... Boldness doesn't mean ugly. It just means unafraid and willing to say it. Right? You don't have to be ugly to say it. Just say what the Bible says. You can say it in a sweet voice. I've seen some ladies, older ladies, speaking as sweet, so sweet, and yet so certain of what the Bible says. Saying so they're just as bold as a lion. Okay, next one. And that is the boldness of sharing threats. Now, this is interesting. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, sharing is actually gossip. Not all sharing's gossip. For example... When God tells you that uh, David committed adultery with Bathsheba, that's not gossip. God's, God's not a gossiper. It's a fact. So, is there such a thing as sharing threats? Yes, verse 21. So, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. 
since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Why, they shouldn't have been doing that. That's just flat out gossip. No, it's not. When you tell the truth and you tell the truth about a threat, it's a real threat. So whenever we report to each other, we discuss laws that are being passed that could threaten our right to assemble. That's not inappropriate. That's not gossip. And it's not sedition. It's a fact. So there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it appears the more there were threats, the bolder they got. Now that's interesting. It's almost as if if it's too easy, it's too easy. So maybe, uh, you know, especially deacons, elders, whatever. Hey, it's okay if somebody doesn't like you. Might be the best thing ever happened to you. Somebody don't like you. Nobody's ever felt that way about me, but okay. Okay, the next one. What is this? Number V. (laughs) Number V. The boldness of praying fervently. Look at verses 24 through 31. I'm not going to read all of it. I'll just read a little bit and just show you. Verse 24 says, They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. So then they tell them all things. You know, they quote the psalm writer. Drop down to verse 29 says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness. So they literally pray for boldness. But it's a fervent prayer that we may speak your word. So I don't just want to be bold so I'm not afraid, but I want to be bold so I'll speak the word, which is a little different prayer. Verse 30 by stretching out your hand to heal. So we want you to work with us in this and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Uh, Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now it's interesting that if the place you're in shakes, you stop shaking. So they, the place they were in shook and they no longer were afraid. When you know God is behind what you're doing, what do you get to fear? I mean, if you say, well, I'm fear death, we're all going to die. You think you're getting out of this world alive. (laughs) Now I'm not wanting to get in the line up tonight, you know, and start, let's go tonight, but, but we are all going to go. So we need to learn to understand that if we've got that relationship and we're in prayer with God, there's something that comes, uh, boldness that comes upon us from praying fervently. That uh, So if you have a fear in the middle of the night, get down on your knees, start praying to God, pray about everything in your life, and suddenly any fear you've got begins to evaporate. Amen? Amen, Walls? Isn't that right? Haven't you had that? Have you not been there where either financially you were stressed or... Physically, you were being stressed. You weren't sure you were going to have a heart attack or something or, or there were relationship problems in your life, whatever it was. And you got, got out of bed, couldn't sleep, get out of bed, go find a place where your knee won't break. Like it's one thing about tile floors. You got to find a piece of carpet and then get out on your knees and pray until that goes away. And it will go away. Amen. Amen. Any fear. And all of a sudden you're more bold. Isn't that the truth? All right. Next thing is the boldness of unifying brethren. 
the more united we are, the stronger we are, period, on any level. Verse 32 says, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. That's, that's good, isn't it? One heart, one soul. And they had all things in common, it says. That means if you need it, you can have it. You need them a lot more, you can have it. Right? You need to use my house for something, you got it. Need my car, I'll pray for you, you can have it. So, verse 33. With great power... The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This unifying of brethren, when we are united with one purpose, there's a lot of boldness that comes from just unity. I mean, you may not realize this, but just walking in the door and there being no one in this building that you would walk past, but that your hand reaches out for everybody, and you know it. There's some power in that. That's some real power in that. At least there's one place you know that you're welcome. Amen? Amen. You're always welcome. All right. Next thought. Last thought. The boldness of supporting strugglers. Uh, it says in verse 34, Nor were there any among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds, verse 35, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Um, I really believe that everybody ought to be a member of a church. And I don't mean we're all members of the church. That's not what I mean. I mean, this bouncing around is not healthy. If for no other reason than if you get in a, a pickle and you need help, you need to know some people. So they can step in and help you. There have been many times people call us for money, help, want us to pay all their bills. Man, how many times have we got those calls, Dwight? That's, I do not know. But thousands. I've received thousands of those. And often the answer that I'll give them is, well, I mean, I don't know if you realize this. Like, let's say they wanted us to pay their rent. And my answer is often this, very words. Uh, are, are you a member of any church around here? Anything? Well, uh, so and so. Do you go there? No. So you're not really a member, are you? No. I said, well, let me give you some advice. We don't know you. We don't know what you are, what you're up to. We don't know you. And if you're expecting us to pay your rent, we might do that if you were one of us. But do you realize that if we were to use all our money, and at this time we still had a building, and sell our building, we could not pay everybody's rent in the in Brandon, a little less in the Tampa Bay area this month, of the people who are behind in rent and about to lose. We, we couldn't even begin to do it. Not with the entire $2 million plus dollars we got right now. We couldn't do it. If that's what you think churches are for, you're mistaken. They can't do it. It's not financially possible. If every church and of every flavor sold their buildings and started doing that, within two months, the money would be gone and there'd still be no church buildings. It'd be no place to meet. That's the honest truth. Because there are a lot of people out there that ain't making any effort to pay their own bills. 
And they want everybody else to pick up the slack. But when it's one of ours, we will go to the wall if we can. As long as you show responsibility, we will show responsibility. You cease to show responsibility and you start putting it all on us, we're going to say, nope, we've gone about far enough. Amen, walls? But we do believe in supporting strugglers. And everybody goes through struggles. And when you go through a struggle, we want to be there for you. Absolutely. And we've been out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars through the years doing that. We want to do that. Because we believe, knowing that, we've got a backup plan for every one of you, if you have to have it, gives you boldness about living. There is a backup plan. I hope you don't have to use it. But there is a plan B. And we're it. Okay. So those are some of the things I believe will produce some, a little more boldness. I'm not saying that all of these will change you overnight. But I do believe they do help. And when we are in it together, it makes us all a little more bold. Um, so be bold. Amen. Even if... Uh, you're the one somebody's trying to shut out, trying to silence. We don't want to hear them anymore. It's okay. Been on the receiving end of that quite a few times. You'll survive it. Um, Hugh Latimer. That's actually a, a Polaroid image of him. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm sorry. It's a bad one. He, he was he preached for King, King Henry VIII. They didn't have Polaroids back then. But uh, Hugh Latimer preached for uh, before King Henry VIII, and uh, King, uh, Hugh Latimer was a kind of a bold speaker. And the king was quite displeased by his boldness, and so he ordered him to preach the next Sunday and apologize. For being too bold. Hugh Latimer. Got up the next Sunday. Read. His text again. That's the end of that story. And <laughs> it's one of the best ones I've ever had. And he'll be telling people that for weeks, what happened. Wow. I think the Lord wanted you to pay attention to this one. All right, listen up. So the king was displeased by his boldness, ordered him to preach the next Sunday and apologize. So Hugh Latimer got up, read his text, and this is what he said. Exact quote. Hugh Latimer, he's speaking to himself. Hugh Latimer, dost thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? To the high and mighty monarch, 
the king's most excellent majesty who can take away thy life if thou offendest. Therefore, take heed that thou speakest not a word that may displease. But then consider well, Hugh, dost thou not know from whence thou comest, upon whose message thou art sent? Even by the great and mighty God, who is all present, who beholdeth all thy ways, who is able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore, take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. Then he proceeded to preach the same sermon he preached the week before. With more boldness. Now, let me tell you the story. That's the pulpit he preached from. This is not a make-believe story. They didn't kill him. Not then. He then was brought before a tribunal. Not about this, but because he did not believe in transubstantiation. And I'm not going to get into exactly what that is right now. Most of you know, if you you have Catholic friends, you're pretty much aware. He did not believe in transubstantiation. And so he went before this council. And they tried to get him to recant all that he had taught about that. And he would not. So they burned him at the stake. Speak up for what's right. Speak up for the truth. And for not only for your own sake, but for the sake of the souls of those around you. And don't be afraid. Nobody's probably going to burn you at the stake. But I really don't want to face the Lord having not been willing to speak up for him. Amen? Amen. So the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ still needs to be heard. It needs to be taught and it needs to be obeyed. And then after we've obeyed it, we need to spread it with boldness. If you're here tonight and you're too afraid to come forward, I'm not going to push that one on you. You can scaredy cat meet me anytime this week and we'll baptize you. Okay? But you got to realize when you say, I believe Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, you just told everybody, I am dying right now. And if you're not dying right then, you're lying right then. So you better be serious about whatever you do. If you come forward tonight and you want to repent of your sins, confess the name of Christ, be baptized, you better be serious about it. Otherwise, it's a mockery. And you don't want to face the Lord doing that. And if you've wandered away from it, you need to make sure you're right with the Lord. This is not something to play with. But if you believe all those things, it's also equally serious to never tell anybody what they need to do. So if you need to come, develop some boldness and come while we stand and while we sing.